You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation People and Profits podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are talking about a subject that I think is really important and oftentimes forgotten, and it is the subject of having difficult conversations. And as business owners, we have difficult conversations probably more often than any of us would like. Uh, If you're anything like me, you didn't get into business because you love tearing people down and you love hurting people's feelings. Uh, But sometimes you have to have difficult conversations. And as a leader and as a business owner, having difficult conversations is a critical, critical skill set that you need to develop because you need to be addressing things and addressing things appropriately to set yourself up for success uh, within your business. And this actually came up for a couple reasons for me. And I, I decided I wanted to talk about it uh, tonight as I got home from some practices because, um, a couple things. So number one is we are in the midst of our team placement process. And for those of you who've listened to me talk about team placements before, um, it's kind of an ongoing process. We evaluate athletes for an extended period of time and then we place them on teams. And one of the reasons we do that is so we can get a better idea of where we should put people, Um, and also so we can prepare athletes for what is potentially coming and we can kind of sell them for what we think is going to happen before it occurs. So we can start to plant that seed. Um, additionally, it required us to have some difficult conversations with our staff, uh, because we have some more staff this year and we've actually made some dramatic changes to how we do our staff. And I've talked about those on a previous episode, um, but we've transitioned to doing head coaches and assistant coaches, which really our assistant coaches are what our old coaches requirements were. And our head coaches now have a much higher expectation of performance and things that they're going to accomplish as a head coach. Um, but that means that we've had to have some difficult conversations of, hey, you're going to be an assistant coach versus you're going to be a head coach. And we've also had other conversations about where we're placing people and just some other things that have been going on. I'll go into some details, but um, it's been happening a lot. And then concurrently on the flip side, I actually got to be the recipient of a challenging conversation today um, at my full-time job. And uh, I think that it, it just, as I was talking to my sergeant, who's my supervisor, um, it got me thinking about how he approached it and uh, how I really appreciated how he approached it um, and dealt with the circumstance. And we were able to have this conversation, which um, was a difficult one. And <clears throat> I apologize. I'm, I still have a little bit of a throat bug and I have been coaching all night. Uh, so you may hear me clear my throat, but uh, so giving you some context to that, um, busy time of year, stressed out. Uh, there was a conversation that happened at work where I was a little bit frustrated by it. Uh, it didn't go, uh, was, it was kind of out of the blue, wasn't something I was expecting and, and put something on me to, uh, accomplish and change, uh, some changes in my situation that I, I just wasn't enthused about. They weren't a big deal. And I actually reacted 
a little bit more, I was a little more frustrated than I even liked being. Um, and I, I had to reflect on it and think about it after the fact of like, why did I have that much of an emotional reaction to a fairly minor thing? Um, but in the course of this conversation he had, or in the course of this happening, uh, he had talked to me and said, Hey, this is going to be what happens. And he said, and you seem frustrated by it. And I said, I am, I'm, I am frustrated. Um, and he, you know, said, well, do you want to talk about it? And I, I couldn't really put it into words and I, I didn't feel like I could articulate myself clearly. And I tend to, in those moments say, no, I don't really want to talk about it. I don't, I'm, I don't have anything to say, uh, that's going to change the conversation that is anything necessary. So I would just rather not talk about it right now. Um, and he did not, the way he interpreted my response, um, made him feel like I was reacting in what he described today when he talked to me as kind of an immature response. And I can see how he would, he would see it that way. Um, so not that I feel like I was being immature, but, um, I, I can see how he would have that impression. And, uh, you know, today he, he pulled me aside at the beginning of the day and this is about a week later. We were pretty busy this week and hadn't had an opportunity to sit down. Uh, He pulled me aside today and, uh, you know, we went into a private room and he said, Hey, I just, you know, I want to talk to you about a couple things and, uh, just said, Hey, I want to clear the air. And he just told me exactly what he thought. And I, I don't think he pulled any punches. You know, he said, I felt like this was, um, not a reaction that fit the circumstances. And he kind of went into his side of things and, um, and laid it out there. And then I asked him, you know, would you, would you like my feedback, um, on where I was at and why, why that reaction may have been that way and maybe allow me to give you some clarification. And he said, absolutely. I would appreciate that. And so I was able to give him some clarification. Um, I was able to tell him, you know, that's kind of how I process. I kind of will go quiet because I would rather not be say anything that's rude or, um, offhand. And especially in that circumstance, you know, I was literally in the circumstance where I'm like really mad, but I know rationally that I'm like irrationally mad and I need to not say anything because I'm just going to put my foot in my mouth and I'm going to regret it later because I'm going to get over this thing. It's not that big of a deal. But we all have those moments where we get frustrated, we get emotional about it. And uh, I talked to him about it and I told him, you know, I reflected on this. I actually thought about it at length and I really did. I went home that day and I was like, man, why did I react? Why, why did that hit me? This small thing hit me the way that it did. And I ended up getting to the root of it and I don't want to go into that because this is not a, a psychotherapy debrief of uh, the inner workings of the mind of Dan Cotton. Um, but it was... It was related to some things that were going on and a variety of things. And I was kind of able to get to the root of it and tell him, you know, I think that these were the factors that were influencing me. And, and I don't think it's a reasonable, I, I shouldn't have been as frustrated with it as I was. It should have been kind of a non-event, um, but it was. And I apologize for being quiet and I kind of explained myself. And then, you know, we talked through it and he said, I appreciate that. And he had a couple other things that he had to kind of relay to me. Um, that were, some of it was relaying down from my higher authority, you know, Hey, keep your desk more organized. Um, I'm not a believer, but I am one of those people who's like, well, if you're a genius, your desk is messy. Cause my desk is often messy. Um, I just tend not to be great at <clears throat> cleaning up those little things. I'll, I'll make everything clean I'll make it super organized. And then I'll work and work and work and work. And then things become a little bit messier. Like I have pieces of paper on either side of me at my desk right now that are things that I was writing on the other night that I could get rid of right now, but they're still on my desk. Uh, so 
something to work on. And he just, you know, went through these things. Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And I need you to do this. And I, I told him a couple things from my perspective, uh, you know, and he was very receptive to that. I said, Hey, I'm happy to keep my desk clean. Can you get people to stop dropping things on my desk? That would be very helpful because I just, my desk becomes the dumping ground for equipment that breaks. Um, and he was like, yep, I can absolutely do that. I totally understand. I agree that that is a problem. So he was receptive to me hearing his feedback and saying, I will do, I will work on that, but also receptive to me telling him what he could do to further support me in that. And I think that is a really good way to have a difficult conversation. You know, I left that conversation, even though he essentially told me a couple things that maybe I wouldn't normally like, um, feeling really good about it, feeling like, you know, he was addressing his concerns with me, feeling like the air was clear between us and we were on um, good footing to move forward and work together and accomplish a lot of great things, which we do on the regular basis. And so I think it was a really, really good example of how to have a difficult conversation, which is start off and open with the issue, uh, set the parameters of what it is you're talking about, and get the information out there and then stop and be willing to listen to that person when they have feedback. If you go in, <clears throat> excuse me, if you go in with a narrow minded idea of my way is right and this impression I have of things is right, then you're more likely to uh, not be receptive to people's opinion. And then that co challenging conversation can potentially be Come a confrontational conversation much, much quicker and much, much easier because you're not, it's not a two-way conversation. It's a one-way conversation. And those are never a lot of fun, uh, really on either side. So that's number one is be open and honest with people, you know, just frame the discussion and, and have it. Um, another example that actually came up was, um, an issue, a challenge that we were having with a couple of our staff members. And um, it, it's a minor thing, very, very minor thing. And I'm actually going to say that I'm going to describe for you the exact process we went through because you may as a business owner identify with it. And hopefully I give you some good inspiration for how to handle these situations with your staff members. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know if ours was 100% perfect, but I think it went pretty well. Uh, so, we had this issue, um, and basically, in, in short summation, the issue was uh, these two staff members who happened to be relatives, uh, they <coughs> both were consistently, they missed a lot last year. Um, they, they went on a lot of vacations um, and were, were gone a lot and not able to be in our facility as much as we would have liked. And then on top of that, both had semi-consistent issues being late, um, you know, 15 minutes late here, 20 minutes late there because of, of traffic or something else scheduled or some other challenge that made it so they couldn't be there on time. And we had talked about it in their end of year evaluations and we'd kind of thought we had set a standard and discussed it and, and agreed that it wouldn't be an issue going forward. And then we started the new year and there wasn't a practice where there wasn't some sort of an issue similar to it. And so we as owners were like, uh Oh, 
we thought this was done, but we're just seeing this pattern now continue. And that is not something that we're cool with. And so we had set the the tone of, Hey, uh, we're going to talk to them in person uh, at the gym. And then one of them wasn't there. And uh, one of them arrived late and left immediately. So we had no real opportunity to pull them aside without it being an awkward thing. And uh, so we, we kind of dropped the ball on that because we should have pulled her aside and done that. <coughs> now, from there, we made the decision of, okay, we're sending them an email. Now, was that the best decision? Maybe. Um, what could we have done? We could have said, well, hey, we need you guys to hop on a meeting and asked uh, them each individually to hop on a meeting with us. Uh, we could have just phone called them and had a conversation. Um but we chose email. One of the reasons we chose email was one, I wanted to just get it done. And I was up on Saturday morning working, knocking out a bunch of stuff before I went and actually enjoyed my Saturday with my family. And two, I just wanted to give them an opportunity to hear it, process it, and then move forward because we were ultimately asking, are you going to be committed and not committed to this not being an issue moving forward? And, uh, <coughs> so we sent this email and, uh, didn't really get any response until, um, we had said, Hey, we need to hear by Sunday until Sunday evening. That was this, Hey, can you come to the business so we can have a meeting? This was from the employees and it was in a, in kind of a group message. And I was immediately frustrated because we sent them individual emails and I'm like, look, I'm, I understand your your relatives, but I'm not talking to you as employees, as relatives. I'm talking to you as each individual employees. You just both happen to have the same issue. Um, and so we get this text message and I'm immediately a little bit perturbed and there's some conversation and I immediately am on the defensive. I mean, immediately with, you know, getting a little frustrated and getting a little heated and like, I'm right. And this is silly. And just give us the answer. Like, all I'm asking is, are you committed to being on time and coming to work? And to me, I'm like, this makes complete logical sense, which it does. <coughs> but we chatted and I was like, we can have a Zoom conversation and we can have a Zoom conversation one-on-one, -on -one, which took a minute to explain why I wanted it to be that way. And then we hopped on Zoom and talked to him and they had mentioned, well, we have some concerns. And I'm like, what on earth are they concerned about? And I'm, of course, being a little bit frustrated in this. And this was actually one of the other positives about an email. And I'm not saying email is the best way to have challenging conversations. In fact, I do not believe it is um, at all. But I would prefer an email over a text message conversation um, because I can craft my message. And then it, when I get a response, I can take my time before I respond. So I can go through my emotional stages and control myself and then respond more articulately. Um, so anyways, we get these messages and I like the fact that I get frustrated, but then I get time to say, okay, yeah, we'll meet with you in two hours via Zoom and talk. And that gives me time to calm down and relax and like not be so heated. So then when I sit down with my staff members who are really great people and I really do care about them. I mean, these are kids that we've coached. They're great human beings and uh, we really want them to be successful, but we also want them to be in the gym. Um, so they, you know, 
sat down with us and talked to us about their concerns and they really wanted to kind of dissect, well, this sentence hurt my feelings and look, I get it. I'm and I told them, I said, I'm, it's not about hurt your feelings. It's about, I'm being accurate here. And one of the things I said that hurt your feelings, hurt their feelings was you're a really great coach with lots of potential, but right now you are not being a great employee. And they didn't like that. They said that really bugged them. And I said, okay, but tell me what business would ever have an employee who shows up late unannounced with no communication, misses frequently um, with little or no notice, and just is kind of unreliable with that and would be described as a great employee. I I don't think you can find them uh, because that's not being a great employee. I'm not saying you're not a great person. I'm not saying you're not a great coach, but you're not a great employee at the moment based off of this issue, which is why I want to correct it. Um, And (coughs) with the ability to explain it, they understood, which again shows that there was value in having this challenging conversation. And in reality, I didn't want to have it. I wanted to send the email and then I just wanted an email or a text message response of yes, I'm in or no, I'm not. I didn't want to have this sit down conversation, but man, I'm glad I did. And the way I handle it, I opened up with this one because they said they had concerns and I had kind of opened with my, uh, my side of things. I opened with, and I, again, I met with them one-on-one. I said, why don't you tell me what your concerns are? And I just let them talk. And I let them talk and I said, okay, can I give you some feedback on those concerns and and try and give you some clarification? That's a word I use a lot. Do you mind if I give you some clarification from my perspective on what I saw or what I meant or was trying to say? (coughs) So utilize those tactics and those techniques as you're having challenging conversations with people, right? Be honest and be straightforward, which kind of now brings me full circle to going to those team placement conversations, those conversations that I'm having now with with customers, athletes who are not going to get potentially what they want. And uh, those conversations, I like to do a little bit of a different way. They're a challenging conversation. First off is I make sure people know those challenging conversations are going to happen and I try to have them be forewarned. Now in these, I would normally say do a challenging conversation in quiet uh, or in private, right? Go somewhere where people aren't going to see. These I actually do out in a public space. Why? Because it, a lot of times in this helps them meter their emotions from being too explosive and overreactive because these are athletes and they're, they're going to control themselves a little bit better than it can just kind of go down a long rabbit trail if we're in a room and the door is shut and they feel like they can just go on and on and on and on and on. So with these, when I know I'm going to be giving information, I, I do everyone the same way. And I start with, tell me what you think you're doing well and tell me what you think you need to improve on uh, and give me that self-assessment. And then that frame, that is so important for me in those conversations because I already know what I think, but I want to know what they think because that's then going to change how I potentially frame what I think to them. Because if we agree and we're on the same page, then I can frame it in that manner. 
I completely agree with you. The I, These are things that you can do better. These are things that you're doing really well. That's very insightful. Good job. And because of those things, that means you would fit here or you would make the team or you wouldn't make the team or you would maybe make the team. I'm not sure yet. There's still some things to prove, right? So if they tell me that we agree without talent, without knowing what I think, that lets me know how to frame the conversation. On the flip side, if they come out and are completely delusional, that also tells me how to frame this conversation and how to deliver that information, but maybe not um, crush them or because if I just open up and I go, look, you're not doing this well, you're not doing this well, you've messed up this, I don't like this, you're not making the team, and they're sitting there in their head going, well, I do all those things great, I'm phenomenal, I have amazing technique, then we're not, we're on completely different wavelengths, and this isn't a conversation anymore, this is two ships sailing in opposite directions. So it's important at the beginning of those challenging conversations to try and get on the same path. So you're headed the same direction. Even if you may not agree on the route, you're on the same path. You've set some clear things that you can um, you can be in alignment on. Even if you're not in agreement, you are at least lined up and talking about the same things in the same parameters. So I think that is really critical when you're having conversations like that, where you're really looking at people's uh, performance where they can assess it themselves. And it's not a, it's not a challenging conversation in the fact of you need to make a change right now, <coughs> but you're doing that challenging conversation ahead of time to prevent negative responses later down the road when people get bad news. Bad news is more manageable when you can see it coming. Being blindsided is almost always worse in my experience. Now, some psychologists may disagree with me. I would just say that I would rather know what I'm dealing with, know what I'm walking into, be mentally prepared than think I'm going to get first place and finding out I lost everything. I was the worst team in the world. You know, I would rather know those things. I would rather be mentally and emotionally prepared. So when that bad thing happens, I'm there and I'm ready and I've, I've already started to mentally prep and game through how I'm going to respond. And so in this kind of circumstance, there's going to be a conversation that happens when we make announcements, right? They're going to know. What I want to do is I want to have as many conversations on the front end so it's not a surprise. So those are kind of really three different examples of challenging conversations um, or critical conversations and how you can potentially go about having them. The biggest thing I would say is no matter how tough the conversation, no matter how challenging, take the time to have it. Avoiding those things, it just doesn't make them better. It just does not make them better. I talk to so many clients, work with so many clients that have dug themselves into holes because they've avoided talking about something because most of us in the customer service industry, we like to please people and telling people that they're doing something wrong is not fun. It's not enjoyable and we're not pleasing people. But if people don't have standards to live up to, they're never going to excel. Okay. The best the best sports teams, the best organizations in the world have strict standards and strict cultural and 
performance expectations that occur within their company, their business, their organization, their team. They know what's expected of them and they know that if they don't do that, there are consequences, there are negative repercussions. And if you never have conversations with people and you never call people out, you never have challenging conversations, you're never going to rise to that occasion. I've had some horrible bosses in my time, like people I hated working for. And guess which bosses I towed the line for more than any other. It was those bosses that I would do anything I could to not be berated by them, to not be yelled at. Now, did I enjoy going to work? No. Should you be like that? No. I think there is a very healthy balance. I have had some phenomenal leaders in my life where I knew there was a strict standard that I needed to maintain. And if I did not maintain it, I would be held accountable immediately without emotion, without hesitation. But at the same time, I knew I was valued and appreciated and cared for and supported. And at any moment, that leader would do anything they could to help me and protect me. And that is really the key. And those same people, I've had challenging conversations with them where they've had to tell me I was messing something up. And those are the conversations that go great but horrible where you're telling someone who cares about you and your opinion, hey, you're messing things up. And that hits harder than any other disciplinary action you could take. So anyways, as I digress, have those conversations. You guys challenge yourself to have those conversations. When something comes up, deal with it now instead of letting it fester. Don't let it build on top of it and build on top of it and build on top of it. Have those conversations. Discover how you can be a better leader and a better person for your people. And if that's what you're doing every single day, how do I how do I model the behaviors I want to see? How do I become a better person and a better leader for my people? Every single day that's your goal. You're going to get better and you're going to have an amazing staff. Your business is going to continue to grow and continue to thrive because you're doing it for the right reasons. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure you check out the other ones. It's been a lot of fun. I've got some good episodes coming up. I'm going to try and be doing a collab with Jason Larkins again. Uh, if you haven't checked out his podcast, he's got a wonderful podcast as well. Uh, his name is Jason Larkins, and it's the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. So make sure you go check that out. Um, it is more just general cheerleading uh, conversation and not quite as business focused, but there's a lot of great stuff. Uh, he's very entertaining, lots of stories. So make sure you check that out. Uh, if you want to learn more about NextGen, you want to get some help with your business, we are actually running, and now if you're listening to this late, it won't be, it won't apply. We're actually starting a people who are just getting started in their program uh, intensive course for people who need help starting their gym and they want to start out on the right foot. You guys, that's a game changer. It is literally going to launch you four years ahead of where I started. It's going to save you so many of the pain and frustration and struggles that I went through and Shelly went through and Danielle and Rihanna went through. When we were opening our gyms, we're going to save you that and give you all those lessons learned ahead of time and set you up and prime you for success. So make sure you check that out as well. Head on over to our website, check out all of our offerings. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. 
And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.